0: Isaiah 46. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, we thank you that we could be in your house tonight. I do pray that you'd bless the effort to teach and to preach your word. I pray that you'd use it to speak to our hearts tonight. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Last week, I hope and trust that you remember that we finished our study on Bible doctrines under attack, and if you were here, I hope that you remember that we looked at Peter's words where he spoke of the fact that the earth will one day be destroyed with a fervent heat, with a fire, and he made clear that this world is not going to last forever. At some point, it's going to be destroyed. He said the reason that it hasn't happened yet is because basically god is not in a hurry a day to him is a thousand years a thousand years is as a day and he is also long suffering in hopes that people will repent and so god is not in a hurry and he desires that men and women would come to a saving knowledge of jesus christ that's why he is not yet come but as we consider that the earth will one day be destroyed by fire as we consider that one day all of this is going to end it reminds us that nothing in this world is eternal Except for the souls of men Amen. And how many times Do we place too much value And too much emphasis On the things of this world We began to get our attention over here Or we began to get our attention over here It could be any number of things But we lose sight of the fact That every bit of this is temporal Every bit of this is going to one day be gone And we need to remember That the only thing that matters Is a person's relationship with Christ That in mind, tonight I'm going to begin by asking you a question. There is nothing tricky about the question. I don't want you to respond publicly. I just want to ask the question, and you think about this, you mull it over in your mind. I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. The question is this. Do you, you, not your neighbor, do you ever find yourself worrying about something related to the future or related to this life? Is that a fair question? I'll repeat it in case some of you are still thinking about it. What exactly did he say? All right. Do you ever find yourself worrying about the things of this life? I think most of us, if we were honest, would have to admit this. We do find ourselves on occasion worrying about the future. I don't know what your worries would be. I don't know what your neighbor's worries would be. I don't know what somebody's worries here in town would be. But if I had to guess, I would look at each person individually and I would say this. They have their own set of worries or they have their own set of concerns They have these things in their life that when they're not careful, their mind begins to go there and they begin to dwell on these things. And they begin to kick around all of the ideas and the possibilities and the could-bes and the maybes. And if your mind works anything like my mind, many times when I begin to think about those things that discourage me or those things that worry me, I then find myself discouraged. Does that make sense? You, you find yourself thinking on these things that, that worry you or that concern you, and, and before you know it, because you've let your mind go there and go there and go there and go there, pretty soon you're discouraged or you're upset or you're bothered by what it is you've been thinking about and what you've been contemplating. Now tonight... I want to share a story with you, and that's all it is. It's a story. Just take it at face value and and don't think that I'm trying to do anything other than just relay a story to you. But about 10 days ago in our Sunday school class, a week ago Sunday, I was talking about the Word of God from Psalm 119. For those of us who know what Psalm 119 is about, it is every bit about the Scripture or the Word of God. All 176 verses deals with the Scripture in one form or another. And so a week and a half ago, listen now, a week and a half ago on a Sunday morning in Sunday school, I was talking to the class and we were interacting in the class about our anticipation toward our time to spend in the Word of God. I don't know if that came out right or not, but what I'm trying to convey is this. How much do we anticipate the time that we get to spend in God's word? Because a lot of times we don't look at the word of God with great anticipation. A lot of times we read our Bible at best out of obligation. We read our Bible because we know it needs to be done. I said many times people come to church not with any real sense of anticipation from hearing for, or for hearing from the word of God, but many times people come to church just coming because there's an expectation that they need to be at church. And that's not the right attitude to have toward the Word of God. Whenever we're approaching the Word of God, whenever we're going to where the Word of God will be presented, where the Word of God will be preached, we ought to have an excitement or an anticipation related to it. But then you come to Isaiah. (laughs) And if you're anything like me, that's not where your anticipation hits its highest mark. You come to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and if you're not careful, the mind begins to say, oh man, just get through this, just skim over it, just just get past it, whatever it takes, just say that you've read it and move on to parts that you understand. But it was also a few weeks ago in a Sunday school class that I talked about this, how if you and I know that we don't know everything about God's Word, then the only way that we can learn more is to ask God to help us. Okay, so if I don't understand something about the word of God, then what my attitude needs to be is this Acknowledge and admit that I don't know everything but at the same time say God, please help me with the scripture Now I'm saying all that to say this that yesterday it was, you know time to do the Bible reading and I'm in the book of Isaiah And throughout the last couple of days my mind has been going places it doesn't need to go Because my mind does that just like other people's mind does. And so I found myself in the last few days going here and going here and thinking about this and contemplating this and, and allowing myself to get worked up about certain things and get concerned about certain things and, and and to become discouraged about certain things. And so as my mind is going here and going here and, and chasing this and chasing that, as I sat down to read my Bible yesterday, I said this to the Lord. I said, Lord, just in a, in a, a private heart to heaven kind of a conversation, I said, God, I need something from the scripture today. But I got to be honest with you and tell you, going into Isaiah, I didn't say that with a lot of expectation. It's kind of like, Lord, show me something, but I'm in Isaiah. What are the chances I'll even understand what it is I'm reading? And so in verse number or chapter 46, The very first chapter I began reading, it was like the Lord said, you need something? Well, here you go. So notice in verse number 3, here's what Isaiah says. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel. Now, if you read some on the book of Isaiah and what all this is dealing with, it's my understanding and, and, and it's what I've come to figure out a little bit, is that Isaiah was preaching or prophesying to the people of Israel who were in bondage at this time. Okay, so here are the people of Israel, and uh, it's not as though this is a new experience for them as a nation. They are a nation who over the years and throughout their history they have experienced the judgment of God through the oppression of other nations. And so as you come to chapter 46, as it's explained in the commentaries and, and, and the informational helps that I consult, it is suggested that Israel is nearing the end of this time of oppression, this time of judgment. They'll soon be coming out of it. And these are some of the words that Isaiah gives to the people of Israel. And he says, "'Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob,' and all the remnant of the house of Israel. Here is Isaiah prophesying, preaching, giving the word of God to whom? The house of Jacob, the remnant of Israel, the house of Israel, or we'd say it tonight like this, the people of God. So here is Isaiah giving the word of God to the people of God, and he begins by saying, hearken unto me. What does it mean whenever he says hearken? Well, the word hearken means this, to listen to something or to give attention to something. Hearken means to listen to something or to give attention to something. I think most of us would know that at some point in our lives, somebody has been about to share something with us and they wanted to make sure we weren't distracted. Do you ever have somebody do that to you? Maybe like a teacher or a coach or a parent. Someone was about to tell you something that they believed to be very important, but they knew that there was a chance you might not be listening. So they said something like this. Now listen to me. You need to pay attention to this. There are times that I say, now listen, listen, listen. For what reason? Because I know people are distracted in a church service. They've got their mind over here. They're looking over here. They're watching what's happening over there. And I know it's not because I've got something great to say, but the Word of God has something to say. And so there are times that the preacher, like Isaiah here, says, listen, you don't want to miss this. You want to give attention to this. Hearken to this information. Sometimes in our spiritual life, we need to hearken to the Word of God. In our spiritual lives, we need to listen. We need to give attention to what God's Word has to say to God's people. So if you look in chapter 46, verse number 3, Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the houses of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb, and even to your old age I am he, and even to whore hairs will I carry you. Now, you may read that and say, praise God. But you may be like me and read that and say, do what? Amen. Verse number three, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried f- from the womb. And even to your old age, I am he and even to whore hairs will I carry you. I read that and I thought, Whatever. But the last part of verse number four is basically a summary of verse three and the first part of four. And so tonight I want us to look at the very last word of verse number four, okay? And I'm doing this to try to set the context and to set the stage. The word is you. Is this correct? The last word of verse number 4 in Isaiah chapter 46 is you. And so what is God doing? He is speaking directly to the people of Israel, the house of Jacob. And he is saying, listen, hearken, pay attention, give attention to this. This is for you. God's people. Okay, so what did he say? notice what he says there in verse number four. I have made you. I have made you. Now, I want us to think about this, okay? The fact that God is even addressing the people of Israel reminds us of something very important, and that is this. God was mindful of Israel's existence. It's not as though Israel were functioning and Israel were living and Israel was operating and God was unaware of what was taking place in their life. No, the fact that God was even taking the time to address them reminded them that God was aware of them, their existence, who they were, where they were at. But he said in verse number four to the nation of Israel, to the house of Jacob, he says, I have made you. What does it mean whenever God declares, I have made you? It means this, I created you. I created you. There's a simplicity to that statement, but there's also a profound ramification to that statement. Israel, each person who makes up the nation of Israel, the house of Jacob, I want you to understand something, Israel. I made you. I created you. Now think about this for a moment. Here is God addressing a nation of Israel, which reminds them, okay, God is aware of our existence. He knows where we're at. He knows what's going on in our life. He knows what is taking place. But God reminds them in verse number four through the prophet Isaiah that Israel, individuals, people, listen, I made you. Well, what's the big deal? God's reminding them your existence on this earth is not an accident. Your existence on the earth at this time, at this moment, at this place in history is not an accident. Now I'm going to say this one more time, listen. God had the people of Israel born and God had the people of Israel multiply and he had them You know, reproduce. God had all this take place. And so these people could have easily had been born in a time of freedom, in a time of liberty, in a time of prosperity. But for some, God allowed them to be born in a time of bondage or in a time of oppression. And here they are living under this oppression, living under this judgment of God. And he says, I want to remind you that even in these circumstances, it was I who made you. It was I who who created you, your existence at this place, at this time, in this position, it is not an accident. Now chew on that for a moment. If that was God's word to God's people back then, God does not change in his nature and who he is. So I understand that tonight we're not the people of Israel. I understand tonight that we're not of the house of Jacob. But follow this, please. I am a child of God. And if I think about this for just a moment, that I am a child of God, then here is what I personally am reminded of, that I am not an accident, that God made me, that God created me. My existence on this earth tonight is because God specifically designed me, he specifically created me, and on July twenty fourth, 1974, he said, it is time for Kyle to enter into this world, and so my arrival into this world was not one moment too early, it was not one moment too late, and as I entered into this world, God knew exactly who my parents would be, He knew exactly what my opportunities would be, He knew what my challenges would be, He knew what God was going to do with me, He knew everything about my life, God made me, He created me, and my existence is not an accident. (sighs) Well, guess what? Yours isn't an accident either. Some people say things like this, Well, I wish I would just been born earlier. Well, you weren't. I would have fit in so much better if I would just been born in a different era. Well, apparently God didn't think that was best. See, See, here's what happened. One time in like 1903, God looked at you. That was sarcasm, okay? In the 60s, in the 50s, in the 40s, whenever you entered into the world, why did you enter the world then? Because that's when God wanted you to enter into the world. Your existence is not an accident. Somebody says, well, why did I have to be born into this family? Because that is who God wanted you to be born into. God, somebody says, well, well, why did God create me with these kinds of challenges and, and this kind of a situation? Because God allowed that to take place. If you're a child of God, something you've got to recognize tonight is this, and it is so very important because it really will help your outlook and your attitude when you begin to worry, when you begin to can, contemplate and, and get concerned about things and get discouraged, it is very good for us to remember, you know what? I am exactly where I am supposed to be, doing exactly what, I, what it is I am doing. I am here, listen, because God wants me here. I can tell this isn't connecting with some people. That's your problem, not mine. (laughs) I'm encouraged tonight that I'm pastoring in 2015 because God wants me pastoring in 2015. Well, you could have grown a big church if you had pastored in the 70s. Maybe, but I was a baby then because God wanted me pastoring now and not then. Well, if I... No, I almost said shut up. That's not what I meant. Just But quit! You were born when you were supposed to be born to the people you were supposed to be born to, into the environment God wanted you to be born into. Every bit of this was by God's perfect design. So he says to Israel, the children of God, I have made you. And then he says next, I will bear you. I will bear you. What does it mean to bear someone? It means to carry, to sustain, to hold up, or to support. To carry, to sustain, to hold up, to support. Notice, please, that if God said to the children of Israel, to the house of Jacob, that not only have I made you, but I will bear you, that I will carry you, I will sustain you, I will hold you up, and I will support you. God was making it fairly clear, you will have difficult days. No one needs support when everything is going well. No one needs to be sustained when life is perfect. No one needs to be carried. No one needs to be held up. No one needs to to be to be supported. No one needs help when life is good. When life is easy. And so you know what God is saying to the children of Israel? You will have difficult days. There will be days of trial. There will be days of suffering. There will be days of of hardship. But just know this, that as you go through the difficult days, as you go through the trying times, as you go through those tumultuous seasons of life, just know this, I will be there to bear you. I will be there to carry you. I will be there to sustain you. You understand what God was reminding the people of Israel of? That when you go through the trials of life, you will not go through the trials alone. You will have some sort of friendship or companion through the trials of life. Now, this evening, I'm going to be very honest and tell you, I wish that the Lord would say, now listen, in 2015, we've eliminated all struggles for the children of God. Would you, would you vote for that? Would you be okay with that? You'd say, I, I like that idea, God. I, I, I kind of like every day being a Friday. Which I don't know about you, but all my Fridays aren't that great, so I'm not even sure I want to buy into that. Brother Joel... But listen, I wish you would just say, Kyle, I just want you to know from here on out, smooth sailing. I just want you to know from here on out, no struggles. I just want you to know from here on out, no issues at home, no issues with health, no issues at the church, no issues with, with extended family, no issues with friends, no issues with money. I wish you'd say that, but you know what he would never said? He never said that life would be easy. He never said that life would be free from complications. But you know what he did say to the child of God? He did say this, I will bear you and I will sustain you and I will support you and I will hold you up. I will be there to strengthen you as you go through the trials of life. That encourages me. Because see, when my mind is going places, it doesn't really need to go. And whenever I'm entertaining thoughts, I really don't need to be entertaining. And when I'm allowing myself to get discouraged because of all the concerns that I'm I'm trying to carry in my mind, it's good for me to step back and be reminded of this. First of all, God knows where I'm at. God knows exactly where I'm at. And He also knows me because He is the one who created me. And it encourages me to know that whatever I go through, whatever I'm required to endure by way of struggles, difficulties, hardships, whatever it may be, so long as I walk with God, He is going to bear me up. Now here's what a... Here's what a mature Christian does. We recognize in the midst of the struggles, I'm not alone. So we don't come to church all sad and dejected. We don't come to church all down in the mouth and miserable. We don't consult with all of our friends on Facebook and tell everybody how miserable life is. See, the mature Christian looks at this and says, Okay, God knows where I'm at. Why? Because God created me. And today I can rejoice. And today I can be glad. And today I can be thankful. Why? Because God promised He would be with me through the trials of this life. But then He said this, Not only have I made you, even will I... And and I will bear you, even I will carry you, which is the same idea as the word bear. And notice what he said next. And deliver you. And deliver you. What does it mean to deliver? It means to liberate or to set free. It means to save. The idea is this. Israel, children of Israel, O house of Jacob, I will get you through this. I made you. I will bear you. I will carry you. And I will deliver you. I'm going to liberate you, listen, when the time is right. I'm going to set you free when the moment is right. I'm going to save you at just the right moment, just like your birth was at the exact moment I wanted it to be, not a moment before, not a moment too late. Listen, just as you were born at the time appointed, so too will I deliver you. But it'll be when I decide to deliver you. But I will liberate you. I will set you free. I will save you. Israel, you'll get through this. (laughs) Israel, you'll get through this, but not because of what you've done in the midst of the situation, but because of what I'm going to do for you in the midst of the situation. I'm guessing you're never guilty of something like this. But there have been times in my mind that I have said something like this, God, you got to. And then dot, 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 fill in the blanks with whatever God has to do. You've never done that, have you? Where you've, you've never given God an ultimatum and showed him just how dire the situation is. You know, you've never said, God, if you, you listen, if you don't come through by, by this time tomorrow afternoon, then we've got a problem on our hands as if he wasn't aware of it. Oh, really? Man, I'm so glad you shared that. I had complete. No, he didn't lose sight of it. And yet, sometimes, here is what we're like we're like the, the, the person who is saying, God, you have to, God, you have to, God, you have to. And God already knows not that he has to, but exactly what he's going to do to get us through the trial that he allowed us to enter into in the first place. Now, friends, if that's not encouraging to you, nothing that I could say or the Scripture could say could encourage you. Because here is God's promise to God's people. Again, I understand we're not the nation of Israel, but the principles of an unchanging God would still apply as you read through the rest of Scripture that you and I serve a faithful God who knows exactly where we're at. He knows exactly when we entered into this world because He created us. He knows exactly what we're going through as we're going through it. And He knows exactly how He will deliver us and how He will rescue us and how He will save us On his own time and on his own terms, not ours. But if by chance, God, you'd like a little help, I'm here to help you. No, he doesn't need it. God has been in the deliverance business for thousands of years, he is not in need of our input at this stage of mankind. So what do we need to do when the mind is racing? What do we need to do when the mind begins to worry? What do we need to do whenever we begin to get concerned to the point of being discouraged? What do we begin to do when, or what do we do when we begin to lose sleep and to fret and to to begin spilling our burdens over to those that we think will listen and care? What do we do? We remind ourselves, God made me. God will bear me. And God will deliver me. Go back to verse number 3 real quick. Hearken unto me. Listen. Listen. It's possible. It's possible that some sitting here tonight... You really wanted to listen, but you're so concerned about something else, you couldn't even really pay attention to the message tonight. Listen! Did you not hear what the Word of God just said to us? I made you, I will bear you, and I will deliver you? Now, just real quick, I want to show us how he said it the first time in verse number 3 in the first part of 4. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly. What's he saying? Listen, you're born from the belly because of me. You know why we have life? Because God gave us life. We were born from the belly because of Him, which are carried from the womb. You know, as we came forth from the womb, we didn't exactly have the ability to take care of ourselves, but God in His wisdom and God in His sovereignty allowed someone to be in our life that would take care of us. Isn't that weird how even before we knew to worry, God was still taking care of us? Can you imagine how scared we would have been if we had known to worry and not trust God? Oh, great. What kind of parent do I have awaiting me out there? What's going to happen? Oh, man. I hope it's a rich family. I hope it's a good family. I hope it's a smart family. Man, I hope my parents aren't stupid. Can you imagine what our concerns would have been? We were just too stupid to worry. But God is the one who bore us from the belly, which has carried us from the womb. And notice in verse number four, I love this. And even to your old age, I am he. Even when you're old, guess what? I'm still God. And notice, and even to whore hairs will I carry you. When you're elderly and the hair is white, when the years have added up, when you're no longer the baby breaking forth from the belly, when you're the baby no long, when you're no longer the baby being carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he, and even to the point of the older years of life with the white hair, will I carry you. At no point does God stop carrying us. Right. Yeah. From birth to the grave. Right. As a child of God, you know what God is doing? He is carrying us each step of the way. Amen. Well, I'm in my 40s. Where God knows exactly where you're at. And he is carrying you whether we're smart enough to realize it or not. Well, here I am in my 50s, now I'm in my 60s, now I'm in my 70s, and and things are beginning to slip, and things aren't working like they once did, and and I'm getting kind of nervous. Listen, it is the same God that brought us from the belly who will take us to the days of old age and the white hair. Well, I'm afraid one day I'm going to end up in a nursing home. I'm afraid one day that I'm going to end up without my mind, and I'm just going to be trapped inside a body. Guess what? God will still be aware of it. And he'll still be carrying you. (laughs) You don't have to smile tonight, but I'm going to, okay? Because it encourages me. I told Susie tonight, she said, are you excited about the message? I said, well, kind of. It's an encouraging message, so it means it'll probably be flat. (laughs) Because sometimes you'll just stare at me like, okay. But, (laughs) But we have no right to worry we have no reason to worry we have no reason to work ourselves into an emotional mental tizzy because God took care of us from the moment we were born from the moment we broke out of the womb to our old age and white hair he made me he has borne me and he will continue to bear me and he will deliver me. God will take care of his own. Amen? Amen. Listen, because every one of us needs a reminder from time to time in life. Let's so all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight to be encouraged by the truth that you gave the children of Israel through Isaiah. Lord, we're thankful tonight, at least many of us are, for an unchanging God who continues to take care of his children. And, Lord, I know that every one of us, because of our sin nature, because of our our weak human uh, bodies and minds, I know that many times we allow ourselves to worry, we allow ourselves to get discouraged because you're not moving or you're not performing in the way we think you ought to or when we think you ought to. So, Lord, would you help us tonight to be reminded that you're a God who knows where we're at. You're a God who knows exactly what's going on in our lives. You will carry us through the difficult times, and you will always deliver us at the right time. I pray that you bless the invitation now in Jesus' name. Amen. As Lauren plays, if you need to pray, please do.